Good morning and welcome to The Breakfast Show. You're listening right across Australia on 87.6, 87.8 or 88, wherever you are on the Faith FM network. And you are joined this morning by myself, Lawson. Sitting across from me, we've got my good friend, Brett. Hey, hey. And also in the studio, we've got Nikita, morning. living her best life. And we've got DJ Rach, getting it done, spitting the decks, making mm. sure that we have music and sound effects and that you can hear us, which is really good news. <laughs> we've also got producer Shell. She's she's hanging out. Yeah. She's just living her best life. Uh, so, I still maintain the army of producers is increasing. That's right. I <laughs> I feel threatened. Yeah, okay. I'm, I, I'm like, but hey, d- despite that, look, God is good. We're we're blessed to be here on the breakfast show and to be in this location. You know, like what I'm looking at right here, lots of new faces and whatnot joining us for the breakfast show. Wouldn't be possible without the move that we've done to the mm. Avondale campus. So mm. it's a blessing, and you know, I really like all of you guys. So I'm really happy to be in here. <laughs> with you guys and I'm also happy to be speaking to the listeners on this 29th of February mm. the leap year day which means two things firstly there's a bunch of like 16 year olds turning four and <laughs> yep, 20 yep, year olds yep. turning five and whatnot yep. and, and secondly, uh, everybody should do a celebratory jump that's right mm-hmm. We asked yesterday if anyone had like an, a wedding anniversary today Ooh, as well. Yes. Ooh, that's a so you could get away with like not remembering it for three <laughs> out of four years, you know, like, um, also, you know, always a leap year signifies for me. What I get interested in is it's the Olympic year. Mm. So, mm. and mate, I've been cutting laps this morning in the pool. I'm, yep. I'm ready to go. I'm put me in coach. I'm ready to represent Australia Excellent. and come last. Um, but hey, <laughs> what are you grateful for this morning? Big Brett. Oh man, I'm just grateful for good health. Yeah, I mean, like, amen. Yeah, yeah. There's been a bit of illness in my home of late, so yeah. I've largely I've dodged that so far. So I'm yeah. feeling good. Yeah, grateful okay. to get back into study. How about you? Oh, man. I'm, yeah, back into study as well. Actually, speaking of good health, both of you guys rode bikes in here this morning, Nikita and Brad. So, <laughs> dude, what a win for health. Well, coming up in today's show, we are going to be talking about the birds. Are they real? Are they not real? Mm-hmm. What what kind of mischief and acts and crimes are they getting up to? We're going to be talking about Christians in politics as well and continuing our Bible study in the Psalms. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM. Positively different. You're joined by myself, Lawson. Got Brett in the studio. Got Nikita <laughs> in the studio. Got Rach in the studio. We're just we're just having a party in the studio mm, this morning. Absolutely. And hey, we're going to start the party with our first quiz question. If you get that for us, Brett. Right. We have a fill in the blank Bible verse. So it says, "As blank sharpens blank, so one man sharpens another." Oh. So there's two blanks in this one. As blank sharpens blank, so one man sharpens another. Hey, 0491-064-669 is the number to text if you know the answer to that one. If you do, you're going to the draw to when we have two prizes this morning. We have mm. God With Us and God For Us by James W. Gilly. Yeah. Uh, now, we want to give these to you absolutely for free. All you have to do to win them is to get in the draw mm-hmm. to win. And the way to get into the draw is to answer questions correctly. So, again, that number is 0491-064-669. The more questions you answer correctly, the more chances you yeah. have to win. And do you want to read that question for us one more yeah, time? one more time. As blank sharpens blank, so one man sharpens another. So, fill in those blanks for your chance to win. Powerful stuff there. 491 Nine. You're listening to The Breakfast Show. Brett. What is happening in the world of positively different news and, and birds, Pam? Yeah, well, I'm going to answer your question with a question, Lawson. Okay. Have you ever been tempted... 
to crash a Taylor Swift concert? No, no. Uh, like they're probably like the opposite. There are like <laughs> concerts that I've like looked forward to, like oh, and 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 concert. Like admittedly, you know, things I would like to go see, and say maybe they're on like a Friday night or something mm. like that. And I'm like, oh no, uh, like I, I'm I'm not able to. You know, I, I don't want to do that. I want to spend spend my Sabbath like worshiping God. Mm. It's like oh, I wish I could have gone. You know, like it, it would be nice to be on another day. But no, Taylor Swift has definitely not been. One of those instances. Absolutely. What is the opposite of like crashing one out of interest? Is it like breaking out of a Taylor Swift? Uh, oh, I, I, I guess, don't know. When you say I guess the, so. the opposite, actually, I'm like. Uh, I know. I mean, like the opposite. <laughs> uh, yeah. Well, I just don't want to. Like, I think, I think, I, I think I, that's what it is. But is if it, the opposite of crashing a Taylor Swift concert would be to, I don't know, blow the stadium up and leave. Like, <laughs> uh, but we don't promote terrorism on the show, obviously. That's that's not our thing. Uh, <laughs> hey, you're listening to The Breakfast Show this morning. Well, right, what, what happened to this Taylor Swift concert? A bird crashed a Taylor Swift concert in a very literal fashion. Uh-huh. So a peregrine falcon, which is, by the way, I think it's the fastest bird in the world in terms mm-hmm. of speed. The peregrine falcon can get up to massive speeds. Um, apparently, there's a few of them that actually live in and around the stadium. Mm-hmm. Um, and in, in the Sydney Olympic Park there. And, yeah, basically, apparently this bird, when the concert was happening, just kept flying around, whether it was dazzled by the lights or whatever, we don't mm-hmm. know. But it just kept flying around over over the concert, checking uh-huh. it out, evidently, you know, getting a free ticket. Uh-huh. Um, and after a while, it got exhausted. And the poor uh-huh. thing lost flight. It came down lamely. Uh, it's described as that, – that's how it's described. And, um, yeah, the poor thing landed in the stadium in one of the aisles. So people were understandably a bit worried, you know, these these falcons are pretty big birds. They're, yeah. They're, and it's a bit worrying to see one just drop out of the sky like yeah. that. Yeah. Um, but the good news in this is that um, the bird, which has consequently been named Swifty, uh-huh. which I think is, that's pretty mad. <laughs> that's right? a pretty cool bird name, that actually. Good, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, well, given that they're the fastest bird out there mm-hmm. and they went to a Taylor Swift concert, like mm-hmm. I, I think that's actually a great pun, mm-hmm. personally. I'm a mm-hmm. fan. Um, but yeah, Swifty was taken away um, by Sydney Wildlife Rescue and eventually assessed at Taronga Wildlife Hospital. Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah, the good news is that um, Swifty's looking to make a full recovery. It lives and get on. Released back. Yeah. Um, apparently, it was likely heat stroke that affected Swifty. Yeah. But, um, yeah, there you go. That, that was just a bit of good news, a bit of interesting news. This bird that crashed a Taylor Swift concert has yeah. made a full, full just, recovery. Just circling and circling and circling. I, I wonder what compelled, like, does it? Is the bird like the music? Like, what compelled it to to fly around so much that it like was it attracted to the lights or something like yeah. that? Because usually, like when we're talking about falcons and eagles and whatnot, like mm. we're talking about pretty intelligent birds. Yeah, that know what they're doing. Like they know, like, hey, I probably need to land. I'm pretty tired. Yeah, this that's that's it, isn't it? I, I expected this from a pigeon or, or something like that. Or maybe it was just assessing the targets. Assessing maybe the targets. it was deciding, hey, can I pick up? a Taylor Swift concert goer Ooh. and take it back as food. So like a sniper falcon. It, That's it right. actually dropped at a target. Yeah, that somebody but it, yeah, couldn't okay. de- it couldn't decide on the target. So <laughs> it, it decided, hey, look, I'm, I'm, I'm just... Well, it, yeah. it, it was, it was, it was uh, the choice paralysis. You know mm. what I'm talking about? Analysis paralysis. Mm. It had too many options. Too many people to try and pick up and, yeah. and too much assessing of like, okay, which target can I get? To yeah, the well. point where it it <laughs> fell out of the sky. Maybe, potentially. We Who don't know knows. the motives of this bird, but look, we 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 praise God that it's doing well. Yeah. So just a bit of good news, I think, mm-hmm. hey, that, that that bird's making a full recovery. Mm-hmm. Um, and th- I think just good news in general that they named it Swifty. I think that is a f- mm. it's a phenomenal pun. I'm a fan. 
Uh, in other news, though, a bit of archaeology news. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, some of you might know that I, I'm a former history teacher. I get, I yeah. get excited about this stuff. Dude, we're nerding out right now over archaeology. Absolutely nerding out. Mm-hmm. Um, but basically, on the Isle of Skye in Scotland, so yes. another Scotland um, story, shout out to mm. Scottish listeners. Mm-hmm. I won't do my bad Scottish accent today. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe a wee little bit. Oh, okay, know. okay. There it is, there it is, there it is. <laughs> um, but the Isle of Skye. Um, a lost village has been found, full like full archaeological remnants of a lost village. And oh like, wow! That, that's not totally unusual in in the British Isles generally. We're mm. often finding Iron Age villages and things like that. What's interesting about this one is actually the time frame of when this village is from. Mm-hmm. It's actually from the 17th or 18th century. Okay, so it's so relatively recent. It's relatively recent, and that's unusual because mm-hmm. we're talking. This is when some of the like Great Britain's. Uh, record keeping was actually at a pretty high level. Mm. You know that, that we actually still have. Yeah, there's stuff. a lost Scottish village that yeah. no one knew about. Just people forgot about it. Evidently, dude, um, wild. Th- they've since found census data, like old locked away records from hundreds mm. of years ago that talked about this village. Um, the village's name was Brunel, mm-hmm. and it had a population at one point of two thousand two hundred and fifty people. Mm. So you know, pretty pretty decent. There's mm-hmm. um, there's certainly some Australian towns out there a little smaller than that. Um, and they were farmers. It was a farming community. They had cattle, they had sheep, they had horses, that sort of thing. Yeah. Um, yeah, but it's interesting. It looks like, based on that archaeological evidence, that um, over time the village simply declined. Mm. Could be the Industrial Revolution played a part, though yeah. that is slightly sort of after this time period. Um, but it could also be um, it was simply a matter of farmers getting more and more land mm. and villages being forced out, you know, essentially yeah, people buying each other yeah, out. Yeah. Whatever happened... Um, it's a pretty extensive remnant of this village. Like again, a, vill- a village that um, populated like over two thousand people, mm. um, and yeah, essentially it was discovered quite by accident because over the years this just became pastoral land just for sheep. Yeah, yeah. Um, and a little bit of a forest grew up there. Yeah, and um, eventually people started actually using this land, which had already been a natural forest as far as they knew, for forestry, mm. and they were clearing a little bit, clearing some trees ah, to, to make space. Okay. Discovered the ruins of this old village that That's had essentially right. been lost for a few hundred years. Do they have pictures of this place? They do. Yeah, if you want to look, I, I'm like, I know that our listeners probably can't look. Maybe you can look this up. The Isle of Skye lost village. Yeah. Um, but I'm, I'm, I've got an idea in my head of what it looks like. I'm thinking of some little stone walls and some, mm. some you know, wooden and brick houses yeah. and whatnot. Some remnants of tin roofs and things like oh, that. Okay. They're, they're so rusted that you can't even really pick them up. But nice. Yeah. Oh, I, I wonder how they made tin. Did they make? Like, did corrugated iron exist, like, back then? Not exactly, tin but tin, tin has been yeah. a thing in Britain since the Iron Age. Yeah, yeah in okay. Fact, it okay, seems okay. that a lot of uh, civilizations actually got their tin from what's now Wales. Ah, so, okay, know, okay, okay, okay. Yeah. Tin roofs. Wow, this is, dude, this is fascinating. So, yeah, there is actually tin. Um, and, yeah, it's really interesting, actually. Um, really, there's not much left of the village, so what mm-hmm. we've mainly got is the ground, like the foundations. Yeah. Um, but, you know, there's... Um, there's actually a photo of it from 1881, apparently, where mm. they still had two buildings standing. Ah, okay, Some okay. explorer went into this forest and found it and just yeah. didn't do much other than take a couple of photos. Oh, that's it's, nice. It's really interesting. This place had essentially disappeared from the collective memory of the people. Mm. Like, Residency Island of Sky wouldn't have been able to tell you where or what Brunel is. <laughs> and I, I think that's pretty crazy, given that that was so recent. Yeah. You know, usually we're discovering ancient, yeah. like, pre-Roman Empire kind yeah. of, like, BC yeah. uh, villages, but to discover one from fairly recently, yeah. in the archaeological se- uh, sense, at least, is pretty cool. So, 
Yeah, absolutely. You know, I, I think as well, like 17th, 18th century, like when, when we talk about what the 1600s, like the, when the printing mm. press was coming out, like in, in Europe as well, we're talking about recent times, mm. recent times in, in the known world. Mm. Yeah. And it's, uh, hey, yeah, we're fighting, we're making these discoveries. That's, that's amazing. Yeah. I would love to visit these kinds of places and check it out and take some photos. And oh, I would have loved to be there in 1881 mm. to be this explorer and just like, just say, oh man. Find some old room buildings, yeah, dude, yeah, and set up shop there. Just, mm. just have a you know cute little home away from home in the yeah. in the forest, <laughs> in the forest, in the woods. Ah, oh, that's so cool. You're listening to the Breakfast Show podcast on Faith FM, positively different. Into our next quiz question, if you can get that for us, Brett, please. All right, according to Acts 18, what was Paul's other job? Besides apostle, okay. What was his other job? His other profession? Yeah, he he was doing other things, mm. and we're not looking for. I want to give you a clue. We're not looking for what his qualification was, mm. but his other job while he was in ministry. Mm, something he actually did to fund. If his you ministry. know the mm. answer, zero four nine one zero six four six six nine. Now we have two amazing books that we are giving away in our draw. We've got God for Us and God with mm. Us by James W. Gilly. These books are exploring and expounding on the words of the book of John, how it is that Jesus has come down from heaven. He's dwelt with his people. He's, yeah, it's been God living with us, you know, the life that he lived, the way he interacted, mm. and his death, his resurrection, how that is a blessing to us today. The book of John is one of the most powerful and profound, I think, books ever written. Yeah. Of course, this is contained within the Bible, which you could say that for all the <laughs> Bible. Uh, but yeah, it is for many people their favorite gospel. Mm. Really represents Jesus as the Son of God, as yeah. our Savior, and that's what these commentaries, you know, God with us and God for us by James W. Gilly are mm. getting into. So, again, guys, that number is zero four nine one zero six four six six nine. What was that question again? According to Acts eighteen, so we got a clue. What was Paul's other job besides apostle? Zero four nine one zero six four six six nine. You're listening to the breakfast show here on Faith FM this morning, and I want to throw out a question to begin. Uh, and that question is: How involved should Christians be in politics? Wow, starting us with an easy question there. Now, yeah, something light, you know, <laughs> to begin the morning. Now, I know we get uh, Justin Lawman on every single week mm. to talk about politics and prophecy. We get some insight from him about what's happening around the world. And I thought it was particularly interesting, his last segment, mm. talking about, you know, the push from Christians to Christianize the nation of the United <laughs> States. Uh, and we were talking about a, a kind of... Our disagreeal with that, the perspective mm. that evangelism can only, growth can only happen through evangelism mm. and evangelism only through teaching the word of God. Mm. If we're relying on the political system to enforce our values in order for people to become true followers of Jesus, mm. we are falling short and failing. That being said, from my personal estimation opinion, I don't necessarily think it is completely wrong to have a say in the political space as in to cast your vote mm. and to vote for people who represent your values. Now, the reality is, is that as Christians, we cannot be partisan in politics because mm. there is truly no political party or figure who agrees with the personal convictions that we as an individual mm. before God have. So to be partisan would mean to take on... Uh, values that we don't agree with. Yeah. But we can mess and we can make an estimation of the best of 
what's available mm. and vote accordingly, according yeah. to our conscience. And hey, if it's your conscience, like it's it's your the feeling within your conscience that hey, I don't think I can vote. Like mm. I I believe that you can you can live up to that. But there is a particular individual in America. His name is David Lane. He runs an organization. It's called ARP or the American Renewal Project. And their whole goal is to mobilize pastors and spiritual leaders to run for office. And his reasoning for this is actually something that I deeply disagree with. Mm. His reasoning is that we need to be represented in the public space, which I think is true. Mm. Um, and Christianity needs to put a stamp on the culture, which again, I think is true. Mm. And so his conclusion is the way we uh, attain that is by stacking the political scene with Christians, um, you know, that every governor and the president should all be Christians mm. in order to stop secularism Ooh. within the nation, which I don't agree with because I've gone well historically. That's right. Whenever, whenever we combine church and state, uh, it always leads to the, um, the, the persecution of mm. people who, and by church and state, I mean any religion. Yes. When we combine religion with the state, it always leads to persecution. Furthermore, um, the aspects of secularization are good. Mm. Secular culture, you could say, if secular culture prevails and, you know, the religion is totally dead as a result, like, I don't think that's good. You know, if if secularization becomes militant, like we militantly need to stop the growth of churches, that can be a problem, Mm. 100%. But the idea of a secular system of government that doesn't favor a particular religion over one another Mm. so that the values of the majority can reign supreme. And if that majority Mm. is Christian, then it will come out in the wash that your nation will be running effectively with Mm. Christian morals and values. And how do you make the nation moral and Christian? Evangelism, yeah, like, it, it has through to be a, sharing the word of God. It has to be a personal conversion experience, That's too, right. I think, because you know there has been no shortage in history of people who have used religion mm-hmm. for their own gain. Yeah, uh, even people who privately scorn religion mm. have put on a good face publicly. Mm. Um, I, I think, of, for example, Adolf Hitler after the um, the last assassination attempt on his life, mm. he claimed it was God that saved his life, and that showed that God was behind the Third Reich and all mm. this stuff. And of course, we would absolutely reject that. Yeah, absolutely. And Hitler himself, in many of his conversations, is recorded to have disparaged Christianity, but he was able, he used it to his benefit because his society was majority Christian. And I think that's an example. Obviously, Hitler's a very extreme case, but that's an example of Christianity as a state power means very little if you have if you don't have a personal conversion experience. Individual Christians make a difference, not Christianity as a legal force. Mm, yeah, mm. absolutely. Now, one of the aspects that I really disagreed with when I was reading this guy's, you know, statement of what he's trying to do and whatnot, is he's he's basing uh, the reason he wants to do this, David Lane and, and ARP, the reason they're wanting to push pastors into politics is because of the word ecclesia and its usage throughout the Bible. Mm. He said this, he said, now ecclesia, ecclesia or ecclesia, mm. by the way, is a, a Greek word, which mm. means assembly or called out assembly. Mm. Um, and he says, trying to push spiritual leaders into the public space based on upon Jesus's assignment from Matthew sixteen eighteen, when he said to Peter, upon this rock, I will build my ecclesia. 
Mm. suggesting the idea that, and this is just a, a quote uh, from an article, suggesting the idea that Christians should retreat from the political process is not supported by Scripture. Lane noted that the Greek word ekklesia was a secular term. Among its def- definitions included the political assembly of citizens in ancient Greek city-states. And then this is a quote from Lane. He says, everybody in the room knew what he or Jesus was talking about. Mm. Uh, somehow, like, you know, and he said, what he's trying to say, essentially say here is that when Jesus said upon this rock, I'll build my ecclesia or Mm. I'll build my church. He said, basically saying upon Christ, I will build the nation, Mm. which no one translates it like that. And, uh, and this is the important thing to, to realize, especially with ecclesia. Like I I went through and did a word study myself after reading this. Mm. There is a singular time where ecclesia is used in a, in, in regard to secular government Mm. in the Bible. And now we know ecclesia is coming from a secular term, but every single Mm. time it's applied to the church, Mm. it's applied to the body of believers. Mm. There's a singular time when it's used. The word ecclesia is used by actually, uh, if I can, get it up here i had it open before it's used by the city clerk of ephesus Mm. to describe why they should disallow the worship of christ and instead like you know keep worshiping artemis Mm. the god or or, or diana the god of ephesus yeah and so like he's using ecclesia to say hey for our city you know the city clerk he's like for our city we need to disallow um you know the 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 worship of of Jesus. Mm. Every other time it's used, the word ecclesia is used in a spiritual sense. And that's because, again, it's the word for group or assembly called out. That's like saying a nation is a group of people or a church is a group of people. Mm. To say that, oh, no, this word specifically has political connotations. And every time it's used, even referring to church, mm. it's talking about secular government. Mm. It's just simply wrong and so then what should our takeaway be from this like where should we stand with this and and the reality is do i think that christians can't be in politics absolutely not Mm. i I think that christians are citizens of nations they should have a say in the political Mm. space but to say that every spiritual leader needs to be mobilized into politics so that we can stack the deck in order to make Mm. the nation christian guys this is like this is giving me flashbacks to the Roman Empire. Like, this is giving me flashbacks to the Church of the Middle Ages and the persecution that was wrought as a result. This is not the change that we... This is not how to change the nation. Rather, this is how, like... Yeah, this is how mm-hmm. we see persecution. If we want to see change in our nation, if we want to see the growth of churches and the growth of morality, that can only happen through the sharing of the gospel, bringing people to conviction that God is real, mm. that Jesus loves them, and that they want to submit their lives to him. And yeah, and furthermore, like, through being loving and lovable Christians, being personable mm. with people, living out Christ's left me- um, method alone, serving people's needs. Mm. This is the only way we can win people to the cause. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM, positively different. Welcome back, guys. Welcome back to Faith FM. It is now time for our next quiz question. That's right. Our next quiz question is simply this. 
In Psalms 89, what did the psalmist say would endure like the sun rather than be cast to the ground? 0491-064-669 is the number to text. Again, that question. In Psalm 89, what did the psalmist say would endure like the sun rather than be cast to the ground? Now, Psalm 89, it's right there in the question. If you have a Bible present, Open it up, have a look mm. for the answer. If you don't, maybe maybe you know it off the top of your head, and we'd be really impressed. Uh, but mm. if you're driving, drive. Uh, yeah. Don't don't read and drive. <laughs> yeah, uh, read s- s- road signs and mm. whatnot. Hey, you're listening to the breakfast show again. That number zero four nine one zero six four six six nine. We've come to the interview section for our day, and like usual, once a month, I should say, we have our good friend Jeremy Dixon on the phone with us. How are you today, Jeremy? Are you fine? Oh, fantastic! Now it is great to hear from you, Jeremy, and. I'm really excited about today's topic. I'm really excited because, and not only me, but we've we've got a number of uni students in our studio <laughs> this morning. Myself, Brett, Nikita, <laughs> like we are monetarily challenged. Let's let's say that. And <laughs> I believe today you're going to be talking about foods that are fantastic, tasty, and healthy, but also cheap. Yes, I thought I'd just focus on the current, you know, the cost of living crisis mm. drum roll that like is kind of everyone's talking about. But, yeah, um, absolutely. Yes, I suppose. I suppose. Yeah, things are just getting really expensive. And you go into supermarkets, pick up a few things, and you can spend below a hundred, hundred fifty dollars. It's just incredible the price mm. things are, are hitting these days. Yeah, especially um, in yeah, New so, Zealand. So, like, man, you you guys like we struggle here in Australia, but over there it'd be even worse. You'd be oh, exactly, doing exactly. it tough. Exactly. So, yeah, mm. and the good words of, you know, don't let a good crisis go to waste. So it's a good opportunity to kind of redefine your eating habits mm. and possibly get um, healthier in the meantime. Oh, so, absolutely. Um, yeah, an opportunity. All right. So it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a Monday night. I'm going to go do my shopping. I'm going to go buy something to cook <laughs> up. What am I looking for and how do I cook it? Where, where do I start? So I've, got, so I've got six ingredients that you should be buying lots of and using all the time and you can mm-hmm. make. That are super, super healthy, and by themselves, you look at them and go, they're really boring. But obviously, they're the skill <laughs> of adding some nice flavors to it and things to make them, you know, really, really tasty. So, mm-hmm. um, it's a good base. And Cafe Land, you know, you bulk up a, a, a meal. Mm-hmm. We've just lost Jeremy there. Is he still with us? Jeremy, have we got you? Okay. We are we're fiddling with the phone a little bit, you know these new these New and, Zealand uh, connections. Oh, there, Jeremy, can you hear us? Sorry, can you? Yeah, Over we, there? we, yeah, yeah, we miss you. Uh, we, you fell out there. Hey, do you want to start just oh, from sorry. the beginning on that first ingredient again? Sorry about that. Yeah, so the first ingredient to put in your trolley is red lentils. Mm-hmm. Okay, red lit. Um, good choice. Good stuff. Are we going dry? Are we going in a can? What are, what are we looking at? No, just buy them dry. You probably pay around about three dollars a bag for a kilo bag, mm-hmm. and they'll probably make probably between two to four meals depending on the size of your family. Mm-hmm. And oh, the rule yeah. is basically it's four to one: one cup of red lentils to four cups of water. Cook them up in about fifteen minutes, and you've got yourself a really nice kind of protein base for a dough. You can eat add your vegetables, your spices, your curry paste, your ginger, your turmeric, your mixed mm-hmm. herbs. You can kind of make it any any cuisine you want, and um, you've got this wonderful kind of dal, kind of nice hot pot base there, and it's super, super cheap. Man, can't go wrong with the dal, hey? Dude. Good stuff. Yum. Exactly. 
Oh, man. And also you can even make flatbreads. I've got recipes in books so you can make nice flatbreads with lentils as well. So there's, um, there's, and also there's other lentils as well, like toy lentils, you can make nice salads. Mm. Brown lentils make nice lasagnas, but mm. red lentils oh. are a good starting point. So mm. easy to cook. Yeah, and such a good food as a base as well. Like very filling, mm. yeah, very nutritious. Yep. Like you can chuck lots of it in anything and it just mm. goes along. So, oh, that's super exciting. All right, so we've thrown the red lentils in the trolley. What's next? Uh, chickpeas. Oh, so good chickpeas, choice. Chickpea salad, chickpeas in a curry. You can make a great hummus. So you have the price you buy it in the supermarket mm. for. Um, so basically, it's on the um, Woolies website. You're paying about a dollar fifty a can for chickpeas, um, which is pretty good in itself. But if you get chickpeas dried, buy them dry for about three dollars sixty for a kilo bag. You probably buy them. You probably pay less if you buy them in a bulk shop. What you do is you put the chickpeas in a pot. You soak them overnight. Um, and about three times as much water because they expand. And then next day you cook them up in, in water for about an hour, and then you put them in the freezer and you've got kind of fresh frozen chickpeas for you whenever you want them. You mm. can just take them out, rinse them in a bit of water, throw them in curry, and you're probably paying around about under 50 cents for, you know, probably a good can size of chickpeas, which is a third the price of chickpeas. Mm. But even more so, if you compare it to the price of meat, so, for example, beef mince is around about $20 per kilo mm. and it has a similar amount of protein per gram that chickpeas does. Wow. So, so basically, the end result when you add it up is um, that you know, if you add up the work out how much protein per dollar and everything, mm. you're basically paying about 14 times as much for your meat for your cost per protein mm. as you are for your lentils. Bodybuilders, listen up. We're trying to save you money and get you swole as well. This is the way to go. Dude, chickpeas are it. That is, that's actually so good. Now, I've, um, I've kind of seen recently, like in the, in the vegetarian space, you know, and, and obviously you, Jeremy Dixon, running like vegetarian cafes and whatnot. And and I've seen, I've seen restaurants before where they've gone from like vegetarian to like adding meat in because they're like, oh, maybe, uh, it'll be better for our customer base and whatnot. And, you know, we'll be able to capture more customers, but you just up the running costs, it sounds like. Mm. And if you can make chickpeas, well, man, anyone will eat it. It's good. Exactly, and they're really, really quite tasty. And again, it's what you add to them. You can add great curry ingredients to them, mm. um, which is great. And that doesn't include the fact that by going for a plant-based diet, you're probably going to live 20 years longer. Mm-hmm. You're probably mm-hmm. going to save a brand all this money per week, mm-hmm. and you're probably going to spend 100000 less on health bills through your life, 100000 mm. less. So but the savings are just massive by making a change mm. to a plant-based uh, diet. Mm-hmm. Jeremy, you are speaking our language. We're talking money. We're talking <laughs> health. That's exactly what we want. Hey, what's next? What are we sh- throwing in the shopping cart next? Okay, rolled oats. Oh, yep, yum. So, Personal favorite here. So rolled oats, again, yep. So again, you can make your own mueslis. You can make your own porridge. Mm. Um, I think I've told you a poor recipe where you just, you just basically mix uh, ripe bananas and oats and mix them up and you make little um, biscuits out of them and bake them, or those those two ingredients, so super, Mm. super cheap. Mm. But I want to talk today about oat milk. And Mm. um, oat milk, if you buy the latest trendy milk that everyone's buying, you probably pay between 2 and $5 for a litre of milk at the supermarket. Um, If you make your own oat milk, it'll cost you around about 10 cents per litre. Oh, wow. So how do we go about that? the price difference. So what you do is with oat milk, and the, the trick with oat milk is when you're making oat milk, it, it often goes slimy because the minute it starts to be processed or the minute it starts to become warm, mm. it starts going heading towards porridge. 
and mm-hmm. it makes it slimy. So the trick to making oat milk, so here's a good recipe for you. So three quarters of a cup of oats, and again, you want to use the whole rolled oats, the big one, mm-hmm. and a litre of water, a pinch of salt, and like a table of maple syrup or dates mm-hmm. or something like that for mm-hmm. a bit of sweetness. Blend it up, but the, and blend it up for 30 seconds, and you've got, and then sieve it, uh, pour it through a sieve, and you've got oat milk. Yeah, wow. So it'll taste slightly, it'll taste slightly different to the supermarket stuff, but if you haven't over your cereal, you're not going to notice. Yeah. Okay. Um, and so the tricks to make it not go slimy is you need to use co- cold water or iced water, mm-hmm. so that when you're blending it, it doesn't start heating up and go slimy. Oh, and also oh, don't yeah. overblend it. If you blend it for like a minute or so, it'll start to process and it'll start to become like porridge-like as well. So that oh, trick wow. is to use cold water, not overblend, and make sure you sip it out and you've got some nice oat milk. Awesome. Oh, powerful, dude! Yum. Okay, we've got so, oat milk. So probably up to about probably up to about five thousand dollars worth of savings a year. So we'll keep going. Yeah. yeah. Okay. We want. We need. We need more savings. We're <laughs> like we're we're poor. We need help. Okay. Next one. <laughs> uh, canned tomatoes, and you probably pay about a dollar for a can little can of tomatoes, and you genuinely want to get like your diced tomatoes and juice type ones. You don't want them mm. to try the process, but they are just universally a great thing to have in your pantry. You can whip up a curry with it. Um, and one thing I do often we do at the cafe during winter when tomatoes are expensive is you make a cheap salsa. Mm. So you just basically pour out a can of tomatoes. You want to use the chopped ones to get a bit of texture. And just chop and put in a little bit of red onion, chop only chopped, a little bit of coriander and salt and a bit of sweetness. Mix it through and people will think you've got a fresh tomato salsa. And it's probably cost you about a tenth the price in the middle of winter. Mm. Dude, I love salsa. Um, also, mm. <laughs> also good for soups um, you can make tomato soups so they're just kind of a good general universal thing to have in the cupboard mm-hmm. often you go in the supermarket and find them on special just buy a couple of dozen have them in your pantry and they're a really super cheap way of um, getting some bulk in your meal mm. awesome absolutely okay now so we've seen we get, we're getting flavorful with this last one okay what's <laughs> what's next what else what else are we throwing and in and again all these ingredients might seem boring but again it's what you add to them and it's you what know, you do with them yeah. absolutely exactly uh, brown rice. And I know most people are going, oh, come on, Jeremy. But brown rice, you can make some really nice brown rice salad. Just put some nice dressing with it, some nice mm-hmm. ingredients, some peanuts or something through it. It's a great thing to have with curry. It's really filling. It fills you up, and it is super, super, super cheap. Mm-hmm. Um, so brown rice is excellent. I remember when I went to um, Cambodia on a mission trip, they take the brown rice out of the, the rice out of the field, they put it through a machine that comes along that takes the husk off, and then they make brown rice. Mm. And then what they do is they put that through another machine, which takes all the fiber, um, all the good stuff, and the minerals off it, and they produce white rice in the second mm. step, oh. and they sell that. Um, and then they give the good stuff, they've just taken off it, and they give it to the pigs. So mm. uh, brown rice is just so much, got so much more fiber. It's, um, it's um, you know, there's, you need to grow less to make it, and it's mm. got lots of vitamins and minerals. So my, my thing when I went to Cambodia was like, if these people just chose to eat brown rice, They'd get thirty percent more output, and they'd have more health, better health, health outcomes, had more vitamins, minerals, and fiber in their diet. So, uh, mm. brown rice, go for it. Yeah, see, uh, like I'll admit my stance here. I'm a bit of a brown rice skeptic. I'm like, I, I like because to me it tastes worse. But also, I'm like, are the benefits great enough for like the taste deficit between brown and white rice? <laughs> like that's that's the big question for me because a lot of people are eating white rice white rice and they're doing well now i i, I assume because of all the information surrounding it and you know what a, a lot of people get at i'm like it, it's it's pretty it's pretty good for you but for what's what's your stance jeremy is it really is the brown rice really 
worth the step to take if you're accustomed well, well, to using white rice? Well, well one of the, the big the biggest big things in, in your diet when you look at all the all the books I've read over the years and experts talking about health, mm-hmm. nutrition, living longer, etc., etc., having fibre in your system mm. is one of the best things you can do. The more fibre you have through plant-based diets and all that type of thing, mm. um, you're generally having less other things like fat and things. So the more fibre you can have in your diet, um, the better health outcomes you have. So mm. overall, it's, at least you have right rice, it's not going to kill you, but mm. it's just another easy way to get great fibre into your body because okay. dietary fibre is what's, what gives you great health outcomes. So yeah, it's your call. Fantastic. All right. We've got a couple and of minutes. Also, different, different types. You can get your kind of your, your Thai long grain, which yeah. can go kind of fluffy. You can kind of get your kind of your short grain, which mm. kind of goes a bit more crunchy. Mm. Um, you can get all your jas- – uh, there's, there's different types of rice. You get your black rice. There's a nice one called jaz- jasper rice at home, which mm. is really nice red rice. So ah, yeah, there's lots of different okay. types of rice out there you can get that isn't white rice. So get a bit experimental. And some of them, well, they might have a slightly higher per kilo price. When you compare it to using other things, it's actually still quite uh, cost-effective. Mm. Yeah. We just got a text in from a listener, uh, Johanna, who said, um, I've been having brown rice as part of my breakfast for a bit over a year now, and now I find white rice boring. So maybe it's just a matter of becoming <laughs> accustomed to Lawson. Uh, okay, Johanna. All right. I'll, I'll try to believe you. Uh, <laughs> nah, that's yeah. awesome. That's awesome. Hey, we've got about a minute 30 left. Is there anything you want to uh, close off with, Jeremy? Well, I better throw a vegetable in, and one vegetable which I used to hate and um, we, we do so much with the cafe, and it's so amazing, is cabbage. Oh. And cabbage, you can buy cabbage for a couple of dollars, and it gives a massive amount of food. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, if you eat it by itself, of course it's going to be boring. Uh-huh. But, you know, it's a nice dressing to make a nice coleslaw or salad. When you kind of saute it up or even put it yep. in the oven and roast it, it has a really nice flavors come out with it. Throw some great things, some great little herbs or spices and things with it. And you can make cabbage taste amazing. It's super cheap, really good for you, and it's really it really bulks up a meal. So again, mm. you don't need to spend much to get a lot of uh, bulk there. Yeah, you are speaking to the choir here, Jeremy. I am a cabbage lover through and through. Cabbage is the best mm. in like maybe not the best, but I really really enjoy cabbage in soups. It mm. fried up like it's so yum. Oh, this is fantastic. We've been so blessed this morning. I'm ready to save money. Mm. Myself, Brett, <laughs> Nikita, we're in here. We are ready to like come out of our uni semesters like up. You yeah. know, financially, we're we're killing it. I hey, legitimately feel like making dal for breakfast. Oh, that's so good. Yeah. <laughs> well, they do in the Middle East. In the Middle East, major they often they do. That's a special part of the diet. Thanks for being a part of the Faith FM family. Join our community on Facebook or get in touch at one eight hundred Faith FM.